Well, good morning, you all. It's so great to see you. Now, it, let me ask you a question. Is this a real snow in Chicagoland? This is kind of like a squirt of snow, isn't it? It's kind of like a teaser of snow. So I'm so grateful that you are here this morning. It's so great to see you all. If you're a first-timer with us, my name is Mike or Pastor Mike. Welcome to Trinity South Naperville. We're a part of a larger church family called Trinity that's based out of Lyle. And we planted here about three and a half years ago right now. Can you guys believe that? And we're growing and we're expanding in faith, even as the quarantine and the pandemic goes on around us. Amen. Well, we're in this, the, now the third week of our series that we're calling Strong in the Lord. It's V said a couple of minutes ago. And we've been focusing on the way that God equips us to deal with a very real enemy. And V did a great job kind of outlining for us who this enemy is. Now, you know his name. His name is Satan, right? The accuser. And he's the one who battles against us in spiritual ways. He's the one who stirs up contention between people. It causes people to look at each other and say, wait, they're different from me, so they must be my what? My enemy. But God says, no, this is not the way the redeemed world that is redeemed through Jesus Christ is to look. The world that is redeemed through Jesus comes together in unity, in faith, in Christ. And so God is constantly painting that picture for us and reminding us who the real enemy is, right? As we look back into the scripture, this is at the end of Ephesians chapter 6, and starting in verse 14, the scripture says this, Stand firm then, the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And then in verse 16, it says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. So what we understand these pieces of armor to be are reflective of a Roman soldier back in the time of Jesus. Back in the time when Paul would be writing words like this, they understood a suit of armor to be what a, a typical Roman soldier might wear. And specifically today as we're looking at the shield of faith, we're going to ask the question, now, why would the writer of this letter put shield together with faith? What does a shield have to do with faith? Well, let's take just a second and analyze what a shield does. When you're in battle, now I don't know when the last time you were in battle was, and I don't mean with your kids trying to get them to clean up their room, right? I mean, when's the last time you were on the battlefield and fighting for your life? You know, none of us have really had that experience as far as we know. Maybe there are some military in the room who've had some experience like that. But for us, we don't typically have that experience. So it's good to take a look at what a shield would have done for a typical Roman soldier. Now, before we do that, we're going to release our kids to Kid Street. All of our four to 10-year-olds are welcome to join Miss Naya in the back of the room and Miss Angie also as well. They're going to go right on the other side of the wall and have some time together in the Word. So you guys have fun, and we'll see you right back in a few minutes. But the question remains, why would the writer of this letter put together faith with a shield? Well, let's ask the question, you know, what does a shield do? Is a shield a defensive or, or an offensive weapon? What do you think? A shield is typically seen as a defensive weapon. So it keeps the flaming arrows of the enemy from hitting my body, from hitting my person, right? 
But what's cool about the Roman shield is that it's got this awesome little knob thing on the front of it. Have you ever seen that like in the movies? That's called a boss. Now, I don't know what the Romans were going for when they named that thing the boss. I think it's so they could show who was boss on the battlefield. Now, that may not have no actual, you know, credence in historical figures or data or anything like that. But that thing's called a boss. So what they would do is they would use that shield defensively. They could protect their own person with it. But they could also advance on the battlefield and use that little knob to kind of inflict damage on the enemy. In fact, Romans used a sword, so they were required to use a sword with their right hand, which class means that the shield had to be held with which hand? With the left. Now, that was whether you were left-handed or right-handed or ambidextrous. There was no modification. There was no change of the program. Even if you were left-handed, you had to hold the shield with your left hand. The reason is because of the point of why we have the shield of faith today. The question becomes this, what's behind the shield? Whether you're left-handed or right-handed, you had to hold the shield with your left hand. You had to hold your sword with your right hand. And the reason is because what was behind the shield was important for a couple of different reasons. One is it protected me as a person individually, and it gave me the ability to go on the offense, me as a person individually, on the battlefield. But the second major reason is this, and I would even suggest it's even more important for today's focus. The idea is they would lock those shields together in a formation called testudo. Can you say that with me? One, two, three. Testudo. Testudo means tortoise. And what they would do is they would lock those shields together in this box shape. And as you can see from the image, they put the shield over the top of themselves. They put the shield in front of them. They put the shield over here on the left. But as you can see on their right hand, it's exposed, right? It's exposed so that they can use their what? Their sword. So they had a structure and they had a design. They had a reason for having the shield be as big and as squarish, as rectangular-ish as it is, so that those shields could fit together and form a shell. And in that shell existed that unit of men who were destined to move together on the field of battle. Now, what was so genius about Testudo is that it was scalable. I don't know if you work in business. I know we have a couple of marketing folks in the room. Anytime you start a new program in business, you want to make sure that program is scalable. Now, what does that mean? It means you start with a little tiny bit, and then it does what? It grows. And then as the thing grows, it becomes scalable in that what it functioned to do when it was small, it would also function to do what? When it got bigger. And so you could find the testudo following the scalable nature of the Roman army. And the Roman army was immense, even to the point where a very large cohort of Roman soldiers could fit hundreds of them together under the protection of this tortoise shell. Now, I don't know if you have a tortoise at home. Do any of you guys have a tortoise? I don't. Now, we almost did, and Maddie will laugh at this because she asked for a tortoise one year for her birthday, and we started to do a little bit of research about the tortoise, and we found that tortoises tend to grow when you feed them. 
Isn't that fascinating how that works? In fact, they can get up to be 200 pounds or so if you get a tortoise and take it home from the pet store and it starts out the size of a quarter, beware that your tortoise could grow even up toward two and 300 pounds and that thing will become a part of your life. As it grows and is scalable, its shell grows with it. Its protection grows with it. And as it grows, it moves. And as it grows and moves, it carries more mass and power and weight with it, doesn't it? You know, it's kind of like the church. When the church started and was born in Jesus Christ, people heard this message. They heard this good news. They heard that even though you may think it's up to you to earn your grace with God, to earn your place in God's kingdom by how you perform religiously, that is actually not the truth. The truth is this, that Christ died on the cross and was buried in the tomb and rose again from the grave and ascended into heaven to this very day he lives. And he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And by trusting in him, you have forgiveness of sin not only in the past, but for the present. And then also what, folks? In the future, you are covered by the protection, by the shell of the work of Jesus Christ. And as that protection moves with you, you are moving. You're mobile. You grow. You get together with others. You discuss the things of God. You discuss the word and you grow. You grow internally and you grow to the exterior. You add numbers. As you meet together in small units of people, you grow and get to be larger groups of people. Before the coronavirus came along, Trinity South Naperville was averaging 66 people in worship. Today it's about 40 and the rest of us are worshiping online. I am so excited for when we get to phase five. You know why? Because I think there are going to be more people who are going to be growing with us and joining us after phase five gets here than were before the first lockdown came. I think this is a season and a time where God is calling his people forward to grow and to grow in such a way that is together. This is something Jesus established from the very beginning. He didn't take his disciples off one-on-one -on -one and train them and release them into the world. He gathered them together in small groupings of people so that they became a family together. And the reason is, is because as they gathered in those numbers and began to grow, the shield of their faith also grow, grew with them. It became a tortoise shell that grew with the turtle. I want you to look at the scripture from Romans chapter 8, starting verse 24. For in this hope, the hope of the gospel message that I just shared with you a minute ago, in this hope that you will face together with your brothers and sisters in faith, in this hope, relief from suffering and looking forward to the resurrection together, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And when you hope for something in the future you cannot see, my friend, what do you call that? Faith. That is the essence of your protection and is the track you run on moving forward.
Now think about it. A Roman battalion, when they would go into Testudo, would they just simply stop in the battlefield and wait for the enemy to go away? No. When they went into Testudo, what would they do? They would advance. And as they advanced, locked together under their tortoise shell, that shield is in one hand and what's in the other hand? Together, step by step, step by step, one piece at a time, one movement at a time, the whole testudo, the whole tortoise moves forward. And as they move forward, what are they able to do? They're able to take more ground together. Now, could they have sent out an individual soldier to battle on his own? Sure, but that would be kind of dumb, wouldn't it? Put them all together under a tortoise shell, they can accomplish anything. And in fact, for hundreds of years, the Roman army did just such a thing. A couple of years ago, my family and I were gifted a trip to Mexico. It was pretty amazing because that's not somewhere we would typically try to go to. You know, number one, we couldn't afford it. Number two, wow, it just sounds amazing. We were gifted this trip by a generous family member. But anyway, we got the opportunity to go snorkeling. Have you ever been snorkeling before? You basically put on this apparatus that helps you to breathe when you put your face into the water. And so they took us out in this cool boat and this guy just kind of taught us how to do it. We would paddle out and he said, you know, you're never going to see a tortuga, which in their language is sea turtle. You're never going to see a sea turtle. You might see some rays. You might even see a shark, you know, some cool things. But you're never going to see a sea turtle, a tortuga. Well, I happened to see one. As I was floating around out there in the water and I was looking down, I was breathing out of the tube, this huge tortuga, it must have been about five feet long with this beautiful, amazing shell that had this big chunk cut out of it, as if he had done battle somewhere in the past. He swam right up to me, and as he was swimming toward me, I started to think we were playing chicken underwater, and I was trying to figure out who was going to move first. But he was smart, because what he did is he looked me in the eyes. If you can imagine the turtle that you can see now looking you in the eyes, and then very gently and gracefully dove under me and swam on. One thing I loved about that image, and I'll never forget the beauty of God's creation in that moment and the gift of that to my family. One thing I'll never forget is how he moved. He moved with grace. He moved with latent power. He moved with the protection and the confidence of someone who had been to battle and survived but not only survived it, but overcome. I'll never forget that image. It's that same confidence that God calls us into together as a unit under the protection of the shield of faith. Look at the scripture that V read for us just a few minutes ago. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what we do not yet see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now, the reason I'm sharing this part of the scripture with you, specifically that one sentence that deals with God creating things, is because I want you to understand something. God creates stuff out of nothing. God takes nothingness and makes stuff out of it. 
He's the only one in the universe who can do that. If you ask me to make an omelet out of nothing, I got nothing for you. You got to give me eggs, cheese. You got to give me diced peppers and onions. Are you getting hungry yet? You got to give me something to put on top like sour cream, and then I'll make you a yummy omelet. But you cannot say to me, Mike, make me a yummy omelet, and then not give me anything to work with. God can do that. And it's the same with faith. You may think that you have no faith, or you may think that your faith is under attack and under duress and really just doesn't perform the way it should. You know what? You're normal. God is the one who speaks something out of nothing. And when he does that in you, he gives you something. He gives you your faith. This word confidence deals with the concept of steadiness. And what that means is this. The idea is that confidence occurs as we do what? Stand still or move. As we move, steadiness takes place when we are in motion and moving together as a group. And then as you look for assurance of faith, this becomes the evidence that the world is looking for. Now, let me ask you a question. Folks who object to your faith, Folks who object to the idea of a person dying on a cross and rising from the grave. What is the number one objection to your faith in the world today? That there isn't any evidence. I would suggest nothing could be further from the truth. Because the evidence is you. Your faith and how that faith has changed you is the evidence the world needs. How you move forward in your life, together with others in the faith, under the shield and protection of the shell of God's grace, working its way out in faith in you. For it is by grace you were saved through what? Through faith. That is the evidence the world needs to see that there is a God who lives and is at work. In fact, it is by this faith that we understand how God works. If you trust in Jesus, you understand, you get it. You know that God can do something out of nothing. God can take a dead and empty heart and put faith into it. God can take a sinful life and claim you and snatch you right up out of it and secure for you a future that is guaranteed in Jesus Christ. And as you share that with other people, your faith simply grows. My friend, as we close, the focus word for this weekend is evidence. God works evidence in you and in your faith. And if you, as you have a conversation with someone, encounter the objection, there's no evidence, then you can simply be with that person as Christ has been with you, you can listen. You can, you can uh, take a moment and just be with a person without compromising your faith. And let that person experience what it's like to have someone be present with them in grace and in love. And as you do that over and over again, hearts will melt 
will thaw and will become available to the good news of Jesus. But the place we learn to do that is right here together, together in groups like this and groups that meet in our homes and groups that meet online, practicing those skills, sharing with each other what's going on in our lives, receiving the grace of God again and being present with each other. When we practice that part of our active faith, it is like we are moving forward, moving forward, one conversation at a time, moving forward, one acceptance at a time, moving forward, one reassurance of the good news of Jesus in my life at a time, moving forward, one meal brought to a family who's suffering, moving forward, moving forward, one step at a time, all the while protected from the enemy by what? The shield of faith. As we move in this way, this is the evidence a non-believing world needs. When they see us moving together in this way, they're going to ask why. And we can answer why. Because God loves you and me. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for the testudo of faith. Thank you for the shell. Thank you for the ability to come to you and receive your power and your goodness again and again. Thank you for giving me brothers and sisters in the faith that I can move forward in the field of battle with. And thank you for the protection that our collective faith gives both of us and all of us. Father, I just pray and ask for your blessing as our small groups begin to form and begin to meet the first week of February, that your power and your might would pour out upon each one. Bless our small group leaders. Bless our small groups and grow faith in each of us. No matter how newly we're connected or how mature we are in the faith, how long we've been together, or how much time we have together yet. Grow us and move us together like a turtle, one step at a time, under your protection. In your name we pray and together we say, amen and amen.